Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Do you know, I thought it was going to be boiling hot yesterday. It was nice, it was sunny, it was glorious, but at the same time, it was a bit chilly. And then this morning, have you noticed what they've done in the square? Our little cut-through, they've blocked it off now. Now you have to walk down the dangerous dark alley. Very scary. I tell you, these blooming builders around here, they're beginning to get on my nerves. They don't care what happens to us. You know, I could have been mugged out there this morning. Producer could have been mugged as well. Ridiculous. Anyway, apart from that, uh, my sex code with Vern. It goes on, this story. I've got an opinion on it, as you can well imagine. I wouldn't be Steve Allen if I didn't have. Beverly Callard on why she broke down on the set of Corrie. Six months left to find Maddie. They're going to close the inquiry. They've decided 12 million is about tops, I think. So, no further. And also, we are no nearer. As I said before, the, the, the parents can do really what they want, but they can't keep... You just can't keep emptying money into a bottomless pit. They've got no leads. They've got no nothing. No photographs. They've, I mean, when I say they've got zilch, they've got less now than they had when she first vanished. But you all know how incompetent the Portuguese police are, don't you? They're about as incompetent as the Spanish police. They don't come any balmier than the Spanish police. And the Portuguese police, I mean, they just faffed around before we got involved with it. By that time, it was, it was too late. I mean, it's been nine years. No, no amount of pictures in a newspaper is going to help you go, oh, yes, that's what she'd look like now. How would you know? She could have ballooned as a child. They might have fed her. We don't even know if she's alive. We know nothing. And it's taken £12 million. And it, it's not the £12 million I begrudge. It's the fact that there are hundreds of other children who go missing, who don't get any coverage in the papers. They just go, oh, terribly sorry, they, they disappeared. But because this is two middle-class people, and believe you me, it comes down to middle-class. If this was a woman off a sink estate in Newcastle, they'd have ditched this eight years ago. They wouldn't have bothered. They really wouldn't have bothered. It's, it's just absolutely tragic. But uh, they've now said six months, and if they don't find anything in six months, they're going to give it up. So they'd already scaled down the operation, which is what you were all aware of before, and uh, they've now put a, put a time limit on it. I mean, they have, they have, you know, done everything. They've taken dogs out, looking for clothing, looking for bodies, looking for... It's been nine years. What do you think they're going to find? They're going to find, you know, a, a, a body in a, in a disused dump or something like that. They found nothing. They'd been over with heat-seeking when it first happened. That didn't happen. So they've gone over with x-rays. Nothing happened there. We just don't know. She vanished into thin air. I'm half expecting, in my lifetime, somebody to pop up at a police station going, I think I'm the person you're looking for. That's, that's what I'm expecting in my mind. That's what the parents, are, I should imagine, are, are hoping for as well. Beverly Callard we knew about before because Bev wrote a book and she came in to talk to us about it. Do you remember? She came in to talk about uh, her depression, where she would be standing on the set of The Rover's Return. Because you know that when they go into film... You probably don't know, so I'll explain it to you. When they go into film uh, Coronation Street, she might be doing six different scenes for different programmes at any one time. Because that's that's the way the filming works. So then, so she'll be go so go and go and change your outfit because you were wearing this. So she'll put that on, and then she'll film a little bit, and then they'll tack that onto something else. It's it's the way they do it. It's like films, you know, feature films. They film them backwards. So you film the end first, then you go back to the beginning. So in Beverly's case, she said, "I'd be standing in inside the bar at the Rover's Return." She said, "And I didn't know where I was. She said, I didn't know who was around. I didn't know what was going on." And she just used to burst into tears. And I said, "Was that depression?" She said, "I don't know." She said, I, I wish I understood exactly what it was. And then she tried to unravel what her depression was. We had a really good chat. In fact, you probably find you can still find her on the LBC website. She imagine Beverly Callard is still on there. And she was just breaking down. She was just bursting into tears for no reason. She said, I didn't know why I was bursting into tears. 
you know, you, you might think you've had a bad day. She was having a worse day because she didn't know what was going on in life. Uh, the son of resurrected Meg. Number one mystic is back. Well, can't be the same woman. Mystic Meg must be about 97 by now. Who is this woman? Because she's so airbrushed. It's a different wig. Because you know that I used to see Mystic Meg at the BBC when Dale did the lottery. Mystic Meg would be walking down the corridors holding her hair because it was an acrylic wig. She was, uh, she was fairly ancient then. And this woman who's on the front of the, uh, of the sun this morning. Mystic Meg, blah, 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 blah. Born in Accrington. Not Accrington. She, up until 2000, uh, Mystic Meg appeared weekly on the National Lottery. Do you remember she used to sit there going, and today the winner is a, a house with a green door. And we'd all go, oh, lovely, a green door. Very, very interesting. And it turned out, you know, not to be so exciting. But anyway, she launched her first ever website with horoscopes, personalised readings and a hotline hosted by a selection of her favourite professional psychics. But I just don't understand who this woman... She was born in 1942, so she's, what, 70... 70 she's 73 now. But this woman here, this, this can't be Mystic Meg unless they've done what they did before. They had a Mystic Meg... And then they decided to uh, to sort of... So she was created. Mystic Meg was just... A, her name's not Meg, quite clearly. And her, her name is Margaret Lake. And so <laughs> it doesn't quite sound the same. But so I, I'm assuming anybody could be Mystic Meg. Somebody else could be Mystic Meg. And they could, uh, and they could say that, that this is now our latest... Mis- because this one looks about 25. This one looks about 25. So it's definitely not the same one, is it? Um, and then we had the uh, the story of Kerry Katona. One ex was a drug dealer, the second faced assault trial. Now she's dating, apparently, a killer, a convicted killer. She was out in London. I mean, the woman is a disaster, but she always was a disaster. You can't do anything about Kerry Katona. She's got a little button, and it's called self-destruct. Uh, in one of the papers today, after she's pictured completely flat face down on the ground, and the, and the excuse from her agent... I mean, you can't believe this. Says that, uh, you know, she's been with the children. This is her chance to get away and let her hair down. And I thought, what, to be drunk? That's letting your hair down, is it? I mean, really, it's just, it's pitifully awful. Pitifully awful, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Also, the terrorists, you know, which is running into millions and billions of pounds that we give overseas. Uh, There's also the aid that we send over. We send a, a convicted murderer, believe it or not, nine grand a year uh, so that he can survive. And you think, he's a convicted murderer. Why on earth are we sending him £9,000 a year? We should stop this aid immediately. Oh, and the SAS have done something a bit unique. What do you think? What could, what could be unique about the SAS? Apart from the fact that they are an elite fighting force, what have they done that warrants headlines in a newspaper? They've taken on their first gay member. There's a gay member of the SAS. Now, this, of course, is quite interesting. The reason that they were never keen on this before uh, was when they have to go out and do operations because they bond. Uh, And that's why a lot of members of the SAS have disastrous marriages. They cannot keep marriages together because they're so close as a unit. And I know this because I've spoken to lots of members of the SAS and uh, my father used to run their, uh, their club in London, which was full of all sorts of... Uh, sorts of secret parts of the of the British Army and the forces. So uh, they find it very difficult to mix with people because they bond so well together. So they've now got their first gay soldier who has joined. He's uh, an Iraq hero. 
I'm surprised, actually, it's not transgender. They generally come back from Iraq and go transgender. But, I mean, who cares? It doesn't make any difference, does it, really? Oh, the other thing that, that did make me smile a little bit, uh, Jeremy Kyle's uh, going to a wedding. Not his, because uh, I think he's still sorting out with the wife who went off and was having uh, extracurricular with a polo player who was a lot fitter and better looking and taller than Jeremy Kyle. No, it's, it's the bloke who works on his programme who offers advice to people. And um, I think his name's Graham. Well, Graham turns out to be gay as well, because Graham's getting married to his partner called Stephen. And uh, Jeremy Carl's going to be best man. Well, he quite clearly won't be, because the other two will be the best men, won't they? Daniela Westbrook makes the papers today. Why does she make the papers? Because she was staying in a Premier Inn in Sidcup, and uh, she's at loggerheads with this budget hotel chain. She claimed her room was burgled. I mean, to be honest with you, I couldn't give a flying... Forex about Daniela Westbrook. I'm really not remotely interested. This complete and utter waste of space, I'm afraid, has taunted our lives and hung around far too long. I wish she'd just go and emigrate, go and do something abroad, go and try and reinvent yourself, just try and do a day's work. You know, because so far she's just been blooming useless. Anyway, she she then started twittering about it, which was, of course was a big mistake, proving that her brain is quite clearly not between her ears. Because if you have a problem, you don't start twittering about it. You write to the hotel management, or failing that, you go to the police. She's done neither, except now recently, where she uh, uh, wrote uh, and pleaded to the hotel to contact her. Well, why don't you contact them, you dozy mare? What's the matter with you? Can't you manage that? Not not sort of, you know, within your capabilities? Answer, probably not. Not the brightest penny in the box, never was. Not the greatest actress in the world, never was. And so anyway, she's then asked the hotel staff to contact her. She pleaded, please can we sort this out? It's a brand new hotel and it's a shame how one bad apple with light fingers can ruin it all. It's a Premier Inn, you silly woman. It's a Premier Inn. You go there and you, uh, and you stay there and it's cheap and you got burgled. Did you lock your room? Did somebody break in? Have they got a key for your room? Why don't you contact the police? That's exactly what the hotel said to her. Contact the police. So, uh, you know, one sort of smack on the bottom for silly little Daniela Westbrook, who hasn't got the brain capacity of a woman barista in the Starbucks. I mean, she really hasn't. Uh, we've got a story about um, some boys. I call them boys because they're never the brightest pennies in the box. From, uh, from Towie. Uh, unfortunately, they've made a bit of a mistake. Uh, they've got themselves photographed with a cocaine kingpin. Of course, they knew nothing about it. They just sort of obviously took up with him because they're lonely. Most of the boys in Towie are either lonely or have skin complaints. It's a toss-up between the two. And if you manage to get the skin complaint and the fact they're lonely and the fact that uh, they're meeting up with a cocaine kingpin, of course, they knew nothing about it. Nothing about it. What do they talk about, I wonder? What, I mean, what on earth do you talk about to a cocaine kingpin who's responsible for about £350 million worth of cocaine coming into the country? Uh, the, um, the judges who's in... Oh, good news. Might be good news. I like to bring you a bit of good news on a Sunday morning because I think that's my role in life. Sometimes it's miserable news. Sometimes it's miserable. And uh, this morning it's good news because I told you that uh, we think Louis Walsh is going back to the X Factor. Now, you might not be a fan of Louis Walsh. You might not think he's the most intelligent person. He's just a nice, cuddly Irishman. But he knows more about anything in the business than anybody else on that panel except Simon Cowell. And so I said what they need to have done, far from, far from changing and sticking on that dimwit Caroline Flack and Ollie Murs, who, frankly, between the two of them, couldn't present a battery of air hens laying eggs. They, I mean, they really couldn't. They just aren't up to it. They're not good. At, people think, oh, I think I'll be a presenter. Do you remember Spencer, the steroid king, old Spencer Matthews? And he said, oh, I think I'll do some presenting. For who, dear? Who on earth is going to be remotely interested in somebody like you presenting on a programme? 
They didn't want Vernon Kay on the one show, so they're certainly not going to be wanting you with steroids, for goodness sake. Anyway, so um, so they, they sort of decide that they're going to get rid of, uh, of those two and bring back Dermot O'Dreary, which is going to be, again, quite funny. The suits that don't fit, the dancing that looks like your, your uncle's come down from Newcastle and is embarrassing the entire family. And then they decided to get rid of, uh, of little Nick Grimshaw. He had no idea of what to say on the programme. He had no opinion half the time. You know, we're not interested in little posh boys who hang around with the Geldof family and Alexa Chung and Daisy Lowe. And pe- they're not people who mix, you know, in normal society. He's, uh, he's with the Primrose Hill set, and I mean that in the sweetest possible way, Nick, as you know. Primroses and Nick Grimshaw kind of go hand in hand. And so they had to get rid of him. So to bring back Louis Walsh would be good. I said, listen, Simon, what you should do, and stop trying to pretend it's not your programme and that, oh, a big surprise, they're bringing back Louis Walsh. It's his programme. He owns Psycho. He is Psycho. He has you know, the hand on everything. He wouldn't be Simon Cowell if he didn't. So now they're thinking about, there are talks with, uh, with old Cheryl Spagbol. Now, as far as I'm concerned, she has to go. She's been there too long. She's contributed nothing. Zero. Absolutely a big, fat zero. And the talks are on, I believe, with Sharon Osbourne. Now, remember you heard it here first. Remember the date? 3rd of April, remember it was quarter past six in the morning, that Sharon Osbourne could be back because, of course, if she goes back on there, she will she will kick kick ass, as they say, I think, in the business, because she's not taking any prisoners. She's got to let it. Why should she worry about what anybody thinks? I'm sorry, lover, you can't sing. What? You can't sing, dear. Bye-bye. You know, and so they then disappear off into the wilderness again. But they put these silly people on and we have to sit there. So the sooner we get back two people who know about the business and two people who can actually be honest, as opposed to some overmade up old tart from Newcastle, you know, who must spend more time in hair and makeup. Well, I mean, hair, obviously, but she's never there when that's being done. So they bring in the hair and the makeup and some bloke who's got a little radio programme who doesn't know diddly squat about anything. So we have to change it. Because otherwise that programme is going to go down, 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 down and disappear completely. And that would never do. 17 minutes past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from seven. Only on LBC. With Hampton by Hilton. From a great night's sleep to the perfect breakfast included. Morning, everybody. Sunday morning, it's 6.20. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to sort of shout back into the radio. It's not one of those sort of programmes where I sort of go, hello, and you go, hello. You know, it doesn't... It's, you just have to pretend that, you know, we can actually hear each other. It's like on television when they say, nice to see you. They they can't actually see you. They're just lying to you. Yeah, to see you, nice, thank you. It's like Cracker Jack. Cracker Jack. You know, we all do those kind of things, but not on this programme. This is not sort of shouty-back radio or anything like that at all. I've heard it on other radio stations. I did hear another radio station. It was so pitifully awful. I, I, seriously, and I'm not a radio person. I know nothing about radio, as anybody will uh, will tell you. Mind you, if you've listened to this programme for any length of time, you know I know nothing about radio. But I'm the least anoraki person. I, really, I mean, I, I, I would like to be, but I'm just absolutely not. So people say, oh, who do you listen to on the radio? I say, I don't know anybody on the radio. I know people who work in it, but I've never heard them. I've got lots of friends who are producers and lots of friends who are presenters, but I, I, wouldn't, I couldn't tell you anything about them beyond the fact that I know them and I work with them. But that's as far as it goes, because I don't listen to the radio. I always, I always, I always thought that was, that was a good idea, actually, not to listen to the radio. The reason being, I thought, if I listened... I might be influenced by a particular presenter and I might start taking on their traits. Whereas I thought, I was always told at the beginning by, by a couple of people who shall remain nameless, they said, listen, if you're going to get on in the business, be yourself. Just do, just do what you want, want to do. 
Because otherwise, if you start copying people and start, you know, sounding like them and picking up on their all phrases and sayings and things like that, it just doesn't work because you then become a pale imitation, a poor imitation of what the other person was. And I, I've heard it a million times, but not for me. So I cannot actually ever say that I've been influenced by any anybody in the business. But the producer was doing community radio presenting. I think that says it all, doesn't it, really? Uh, he says, I noticed I was accidentally becoming a terrible Danny Baker impersonator. I mean, it just, I mean, that's about as bad as it gets, isn't it, really? I'm a Danny... See, I wouldn't even know what Danny... I know Danny Baker, and I've met him on, uh, on I think, one occasion, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what his style was on the radio. I don't, I don't even know what my style is on the radio, which doesn't help, does it? I did get angry the other day. In fact, I, I've been angry three times in the past two weeks. Firstly, when I saw the picture of those brothers who kicked that dog threw it down the stairs and then stamped on it. And I, I just thought, that's about as low as human beings can actually go in my book. So I was encouraging everybody to, uh, to have a look at it uh, and to go to this website whereby you can sign a petition. If it gets more than 100,000 people, they have to ask questions in Parliament. I believe it's over 350, pushing 400,000, I think, at the moment. So there's a very, 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 very good chance that this will be heard in Parliament, which means we get them back into court again and we throw them into prison for about as long as we possibly can. Because I think anybody who abuses animals is, is, is about so far low down on my list, you know. I'm almost chipping out a gravestone for them. Uh, but the other video I saw this week appeared on the LBC website. It came from the Romford Recorder. And it's the couple who've got a shop. I think it's in Romford. And uh, in front of their shop, they've got a space where they could put out their buckets and whatever it is. Or they, they can park there or anything like that. And um, they're there. And a car pulls straight in off the road. No indicator. Straight in. Parks in front of the shop. And the bloke gets out. He's wearing the all-in-one tracksuit. Tracksuit top. Tracksuit bottom. Everything. And uh, I thought to myself, I know exactly what you are. You could tell by the way he got out of the car. So the, the husband remonstrates with him. Excuse me, this is in front of our shop. Why don't you park it? I'm going to Tesco. Go to Tesco. So he goes off there. And the other bloke starts to get out of the car. They're both clearly identifiable. Quite clearly identifiable. And um, and you could see on one of them, if you slow it right down, you could see the car number plate. So the police will actually get him. Anyway, the wife comes out. She's probably, I don't know, she could be anywhere between 50 and 70. It's certainly more than 50, I would have thought. That's not doing a disservice. I'm just explaining and putting it into context to you. Anyway, so she's sort of arguing. The bloke gets, her, gets out and he punches her in the face. He actually punches her in the face. Well, as far as I'm concerned, the moment I saw that, I thought, we're going to catch you, matey. I think you're going to prison for a few years for, for assault. She's had to have a metal plate put in. A metal plate, but she's frightened to go out. In this day and age, in Romford. In Romford! What toe rag does that to a lady? To a woman? You look at him, he's wearing this sort of tracksuit. You can tell exactly... No, put it this way, how many people do you know wear tracksuit tops and tracksuit bottoms? Scav, sorry, I couldn't even get the word out now. Scabby chavs, ladies and gentlemen. And then the other one gets out. The husband's remonstrating. The woman, you know, and then the, the other bloke comes back. He's giving it all big, large, you know, why don't you do one and all this kind of thing. So anyway, so after a while, this woman's going, excuse me, this is our shop. There's a, there's a thing on the road to stop people driving it. They couldn't care less. These people are, these people are lowest common denominator. So anyway, so uh, little clever boy in his little girly tracksuit comes back out of Tesco. The woman... 
you know, and she's quite a big busted woman. In fact, her bust arrives at the car before she does, I think. And they look at this car. They've obviously got this, you know, whether they've nicked it, I've got no idea. Anyway, back he comes. He's been to do his shopping. They're still arguing. He thinks he's the big I am. You can clearly see him. His face is very clearly identifiable. He's obviously bought something. Perhaps it's more makeup, I should imagine. Anyway, so he then opens his car door. This woman's standing there saying, why are you, you know, why are you sort of parking in front of our shop? This is not your parking space. Go and put it in a car park. Anyway, so uh, he then comes back and he then turns around to this woman. She pushes him away and he punches her in the face. No remorse whatsoever. She's on the ground. She's on the ground, passers-by, a stand looking like complete do- donuts, ladies and gentlemen. And so he then starts arguing with the husband. He couldn't care less that he's hit this woman. That's what sort of scum he is. He gets into the car. The husband's still got the door open. He drives out with the door open and manages to take out the parking cone at the same time. So they've got his number plate. I'm hoping he's listening to this programme now. I hope they take you, lock you up and throw the key away. I really do. Scum like you don't deserve to be anywhere. I wonder if he's working. He won't be after this. But uh, it's a cleaning supply shop, and he ju- and he doesn't care. She's still on the ground after he's driven away. That's how bad it is. That's what Romford's like nowadays. Dear God, it used to be a lovely place. It used to be a lovely place. But uh, Heather and Keith tell the man that, you know, parking here... She's got multiple sclerosis. She's got MS. I nearly lost it. She's got metal plate and four pins in her jaw. They put up a £1,000 reward. If the police can't find them, they're complete and utter idiots. If they can't find them on that, because it appeared in one of the papers yesterday, it was either the Sun or the Mirror, because I bought both of them, and there was a big picture there, and they've gone, you know, call Crime Stoppers or Havering CID. What, you mean you can't chase somebody with a car number plate? Dear God in heaven, what are they doing down in Havering? Pull your fingers out, for God's sake. Can't be that difficult. Listen, put it this way, he drives there, he knew he could park in that space, because he just drove straight in. You don't just see it and go, oh, I'll park in there. Could have been a woman with a pushchair. So I think what we have to do is catch him very quickly. Get him up in court, throw him in prison. Throw him in prison. He's probably got, he's probably got, oh, 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 I knew there was something. I knew there was something I was going to tell you this morning. Something else which annoyed me. Do you remember the bloke? He's on the plane and the fake hijacker gets on and the fake hijacker wants to fly to Greece. And, um, and so that's, that's all fine. That's all fine. And, uh, and then you get, end up with a picture of this bloke who's on the plane, who I think works in health and safety or something like that. His name is Ben Innes. Ben Innes. Uh, was pictured... Now, the stewardess took the picture of this with the supposed hijacker and Ben Innes. And I, I said... Quite, well, a couple of the critics the other week, a couple of the columnists said, oh, he's, um, he's a hero. And I went, no, he's not. He's an idiot. And it turns out that I'm absolutely right yet again. He was convicted of an assault on a man on a night out in 2009. He was on tag. So he's, uh, he is as the former students at York University claimed, a convicted criminal. So people go, so far from being a hero, there was no hero at all. I said there was something about him. I said there was something about him. These people, not surprised his mummy came to take him away. You're not in trouble again, are you, Ben? Not been hitting people. And so there he is. So he makes all the papers again today. I don't know. I like to do the, the updates on these things. I like to make sure that you're well aware of exactly, you know, what's going on in the world. And so here is a picture of Ben. I mean, the man is vastly overweight, as you can tell. He got a 12-month community order, a 12-month supervision order with a six-month electronic tag requirement. He's a health and safety auditor. No, he's a thug. He's a thug. That's what he is. Convicted. Convicted of the assault outside a nightclub. Not a very pleasant person at all, are you? There was a six-hour standoff over in Cyprus... This fake suicide belt, Mustafa, forced the plane to reroute. I'd have pushed him out the door. 
I'd have pushed him out the door. I really would have done. I wouldn't have wasted any time talking to the man's a complete idiot. Even the wife says he's dangerous. So I think that kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Still to come, the Brit who saved a dying donkey, arrested and forced by the Spanish police to buy it. Plus three others. You can't beat a bent Spanish copper, can you? And we found a few of them for you this morning. LBC News Time, 6.30, the latest. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. So to come, the Costa del Cruelty scandal. I thought we'd find one idiot this morning. And, uh, and we have. We have. We've actually found one. It's, it's a bit early, admittedly, for a, for a Saturday, Sunday. I can't even tell you what day it is, actually. A little bit early for a, for a Sunday morning. Uh, but I did find one idiot this morning. And his name is Steve. And he's in London. And uh, wait a minute, just uh, so I just got to. Yeah, I mustn't be so hard on myself. I really mustn't. He says, Now I love you, Steve. So that's slightly disturbing. So I've made a mental note to inform the police of him on that. So his name is Steve in London. He says, uh, I really do, but it didn't happen quite like that on the Romford assault. Really? Oh, really? He says, I'm not condoning it in any way, shape or form. That's the standard get out, isn't it, from a stupid person. But that lady pushes him first and then went to punch him in the face, which was when he returned the punch. Oh, it's OK in your book, is it, to hit women? You think that's normal, do you? You sick person. You think that's OK to punch an elderly woman in the face with MS? You really are the sickest person I think I've encountered, actually, in a long while. I'm going to ban you, actually. I've decided you're too stupid to even be around. Uh, I hate tracksuits, says Anne. You'll hate this one even more. Pat reckons uh, she stayed at the new premiere in on New Street Station in Birmingham on Friday. Everything exceptional. Only guests can access the bedroom floors by using their key card. This is in Sidcup. I don't think they've got a lift, dear. I think it's probably all on one floor. I'd, I'd be surprised if they had a lift. I could be, I could be proven wrong, but uh, unlikely. But listen, if somebody wants to break into a place, they can break into it. You know, if somebody wants to get into Buckingham Palace, they can get into Buckingham Palace, as indeed they did. As indeed they did. Bad news of the week brought to us by Mark in Crawley. Poor soul, but somebody's got to live there. He said, I noticed that uh, Peter Andre was on Anton Deck's Takeaway live on a cruise ship. Yes, it's all sponsored, isn't it, that entire programme. I've noticed, though, really, that they're now... Have you noticed they don't have as much oomph? as they used to have. It's because they're now 40, they're getting on a bit. By the time they get to 50, still trying to act like 19-year-olds is not going to work. But anyway, Peter Andre was on there, probably the first gig he's done in ages with a big crowd. At least people didn't have to pay to watch as they were on the boat already. It was lovely. I missed that bit, actually. I, I, I did... Um, I, I, I watched the bit at the end of the programme where they bring somebody out of the audience, which is all, always very exciting, and, uh, and they go, right, uh, answer all these questions... And then you take numbers off the board and then they reveal to us at home what the prizes are. So this bloke, he's doing quite well. There's a couple of things he didn't know, which made him look a bit stupid in my book. But anyway, it doesn't matter. So he gets six prizes. Among them, when, 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 when they showed us, was a car, £15,000 in cash, holiday. It, he really did very well. And then Anton Deck do this what's called time-wasting in the business. It's a case of we're dragging a programme out that you could dispense with in about five minutes and we're dragging it out to an hour. So they go, so what should he do, audience? Should he, you know, take all these prizes or play? And so the audience play, play. Then they ask the captain, what would you do? He's got to play, he's got to play, he's got to play. And, they ask you, and, then, and then they say the stupidest line ever. But, of course, it's not up to them. What are you asking for in the first place for? Why did you ask the audience? They're, they're just fodder to move around, to make it look good. So the bloke goes, I'll play. And he gets the question wrong. What is the highest rank at sea? Is it a Commodore or an Admiral? And the answer is Admiral. But he said 
Commodore, and he lost everything. And then they showed him the prizes. It's like that sort of, that cruel twist of fate, where they go, actually, you could have won this, but now you haven't. You've, no, you've won nothing, but you do get an Anton Deck toilet roll. Rivetingly exciting. I blame the audience. But then they ask the audience, you know, what would you do? Would you play or would you pass? And, and then they go, but it's not up to them. What do you ask them for? Because it's a time waster. It's a time waster. It's as simple as that. Um, uh, somebody else asked me about Peter Andre. I see he's still plugging Mysterious Girl. I think that's his wife, actually. But uh, he's stuck in the 90s, says John. Yeah, I mean, poor old Peter Andre. I mean, he's, he's so old now. I mean, he'd have to be stuck in the 90s. Good God in heaven, who's that? Who's reading the papers this morning? I'm like to, we're a little bit worried about Sky News. I only mention it because Steve Dixon appears to have some... But he's got a handle on the side of that revolting mug that they've given him, which is glass see-through. We th- well, I, it's either a beer mug or he's drinking chocolate milkshake. That's what I think he's actually doing. Oh, it's my friend Charlie doing the papers this morning. She's a very pretty girl. She's, uh, she's with one of the boys in this building. JK. Thought I'd mention that now. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so Steve Dixon's drinking this stuff. Oh, we all thought it was Nesquik. Chocolate Nesquik. And I thought, no, it wouldn't be. But it looks a bit, it looks a bit of an odd colour to be a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, doesn't it? It doesn't quite look right. And also a glass cup. <sighs> Ooh, very tacky. Very, t- very tacky. Little Julie says, Steve, please wish Winnie and all the other runners taking part in the Reading Half Marathon all the best. Today. Yes, all the best. Because it's, uh, it's absolutely, it's absolutely awful. It's absolutely awful uh, weather <laughs> out there. <laughs> uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here. This is, oh, somebody sent me in the story about the penguins. It's an old story. We did it about, about five weeks ago, Jane. I can't ask you, why are people so slow? If you listen to LBC all the time, you'll be better informed. Coming up with a story that was about four or five weeks ago, I always tell you, if there's a story in the paper that is old, I always say, we did this ages and ages ago. It's as simple as that. We don't waste any time. I have to get... I mean, in fact, most of the Saturday papers are just full of old stories. Ridiculous. Um, another one here, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Oh, Steve's back again. Oh, no, it's somebody else who says, I'm not excusing the Romford bloke who hit the lady, as I find it abhorrent, but she did grab her. Oh, that's all right, you see, you're saying, but she did grab hold of him. I said, that's okay, so if she grabs hold of him, he's entitled to punch her in the face, is he? My God, he's also on private property. There's some sick people out there this morning. Small wonder in a state in the country. My God, what's this one called? I've got to find out, actually. We found Steve in London. This one, oh, luckily, this one doesn't have a name. How very wise. But don't worry, because I've just blocked you. So uh, you'll have to go and find another phone number to use, won't you? Dick, I've never known such stupid people. Sunday morning. Are the thickos really out this early? Okay to punch a woman in the face now, apparently. My God. Looking forward to seeing you in court any time soon. Uh, the other story that was uh, was running in the papers is uh, is the... Oh, that's right. It was uh, whether or not Kim Marsh is going to leave Coronation Street. <laughs> Who cares? I'm sorry, dear. Who cares? I love the... It was a dilemma. Really? What dilemma would that be? Work? No work. Work? No work. Where's the, where's the dilemma? She spent ten years as Michelle. I was ready to quit Corrie. Well, do it, dear. Do it. Go on. You won't be missed. Nobody will care. Where, where, where do you think you'll be going? Royal Shakespeare Company? Perhaps doing something at the Young Vic? Perhaps, perhaps your own one-woman show? Showing us what great talent you have? No, nothing at all. That's why you'll be staying there. So much easier. Uh, who's this a picture of? This is uh, Kelly Robark. No, me neither. But apparently she's, uh, she's an actress... And um, she's running along a beach. Um, and that's apparently the story. 
And why? Because she's flogging a bikini. My goodness me, honestly. So let's make the head... I mean, I look roughly the same when I run on the beach in a bikini. You know, you put a bit of sort of jelly stuff in your hair and uh, then you run along the beach. However, in the, in the case of poor Frankie Essex... You remember Frankie Essex. We had This is Joey Essex's obese, clinically fat, more cellulite that you can shake a stick at. But she's out on the beach in a bikini. Now, I didn't want to be rude about it. But it's not just me, because Karen Brady has given it to you straight. Looking at the photo of Frankie Essex in Cyprus, all I could think of asking her was, what's the point of spending 50 quid on a bikini when 49 pounds of it is stuck up your bottom? And that's exactly what it is. I mean, she's got more cellulite on here. I mean, seriously, it's it's you could join it all up and probably make an interesting picture. If you're that fat, Frankie, and you are that fat, don't go out on the beach. OK, don't do not go out on, on the beach. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. And also don't allow anybody to take a picture of you. We know it was a set up picture because nobody knows who you are. You were you were off Towie ages and ages ago. Just ridiculous, isn't it? Why do people go out there? They have to, I suppose, because she probably thought she looked quite good. She's got this awfully bad hair. I mean, just a dreadful picture. Pardon me. There is a woman pictured peeing into a river in Newcastle. And, well, I couldn't believe I didn't remember seeing this picture, first of all, but here it is. Um, it's a girl, she's obviously drunk, and so she sits on a railing, pulls her things down, and she goes to the toilet. I've seen it here. I've seen it in Leicester Square. I've seen it. These people, where do they come from? I mean, is there, is there some place for sort of people who've been dragged up, you know, from the bottom of a pot noodle or something? And they go, you know, I think I'll just urinate in public. And there was a girl literally just outside the front door, just, just round the side by the rubbish bin. Best place for her, I thought. And she was urinating on the ground. And you see men doing it all the time. I, I, yes, the alley we have to walk through is the worst. I mean, you feel like literally having sort of some sort of gun that they would have on Star Wars, where you go, and they vanish. You go, and they vanish before your eyes. And has just left a little puddle in the ground. In certain parts of the country, the police go out with a bucket and mop, and they make them sweep it all up and everything else. It's disgusting. That's it, disgusting. It really is. Awful, awful, awful. Uh, other stories, why did I save that one? Oh, it's a picture of Gemma Collins. Yes, Gemma the Hutt, as she's known in the business, apparently thinks, really... I mean, wait, wait, wait for this here. She says... She's had meetings with filmmakers because she thinks you could make a film about her life. I'm sorry, I don't want to be rude. <laughs> they can't. OK, unless it's a very, very small three-minute film. OK, you just eating, shoving your face with a load of hamburgers. That'll be it, OK? But there's nothing else. But uh, she thinks she could be a movie maker. She said, I'm going to top up my autobiography because I've had so much drama in my personal life. I know. Learning to be an idiot, I think, was the first bit of it. And she's on her way to see Adele. And she says, you know, if Adele sees me, she might get me up on stage because I reckon we could be best friends. People say we're really alike. No, dear. She has talent. You have nothing. You have nothing at all. And it's sorry to I'm sorry to burst your little bubble. But, you know, and, and then there was another one of the papers saying that she thought she could be a politician. She can't, she can't speak English. How could she be a politician? I mean, what happened to her million pound deal for a show? You know, they're going to do a show all about her and she's got some. There's not, she hasn't got anything. She has no personality. She has no talent at all. You couldn't... How could you put somebody on there who hangs around with convicted drug dealers? I'm sorry, you can't do that, dear. You definitely can't do it. Oh, I don't know. I mean, really, it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it, in this day and age? However, not half as embarrassing as the story it's been running all week. And I'm going to talk about it because I have to... It'd be stupid to ignore a story, but everybody's got a theory on it. So I, my, my theory is this. If you're... 
a married couple, okay, and you're in show business, and uh, one half of the couple uh, feels the urge to stray, that's their business. I couldn't give a forex what they do inside their marriage. If the wife is dumb enough to stick with somebody who's done it twice now, her business. Nothing to do with me. I can, I can have an opinion on it, but it's not my business. So when I read in the papers about page three bimbos who sort of hang on to texts that they've been sent by, you know, page seven bimbo or himbo, as they call them now, then that's their business. I think she's devious. I think he's a cheat. I couldn't care less what the wife thinks. It, it really doesn't cross my mind, but she's going to forgive him again. And she's now said, I will not let this woman ruin my marriage. Well, it's not a case of her ruining the marriage. It's your cheating husband who's ruining the marriage. I mean, it, again, it's not up to me, Tess. I couldn't care less either way what he does. But obviously he must have thought something was wrong because he cancelled out the one show, didn't he? Because that was a family show and yet still does family fortunes. What's interesting in this is that the girl in question, some little-known page three bimbo, is, is engaged. So th th it's sort of like a menage a quatre. You know, sort of if you really understand it. Nobody's ever asked the bloke in Corrie what he thinks about it because he doesn't seem to know anything or even have an opinion. But uh, she's saved all the texts. And yesterday they made very interesting reading. The papers don't print texts if they don't exist. So when Tess says, I will not let this woman ruin my marriage, I think she'll be having a really close, hard look at the texts. I mean, some of the things he was saying, they were meeting, as Carol Malone said yesterday morning on Breakfast on LBC, they were meeting in a hotel bedroom. Not in a hotel room, in a hotel bedroom. And you have to ask yourself the question, what sort of bloke is it who says he's 41 but thinks he's 19 and likes going out to nightclubs by himself? There does come an age, doesn't there, where you don't go to nightclubs. And I would think anything past 30 means that you're really on a hiding to nothing. And so uh, Tess has said it's a vicious stitch-up to cash in. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. It's absolutely a stitch-up to cash in. But then... He shouldn't have done the text. There were thousands of these texts. I mean, seriously, getting more and more perverted and dirty. So quite clearly, Tess, he's not looking at you going for. He's looking at her going for. And because, I mean, at one point she said here that um, he was he was fantasising over her on a desert island. And I said, but you're a page three bimbo, dear. What do you think he's going to be thinking about? You in a pinny cooking baked beans on toast with six screaming kids in the background? No, of course not. Of course not. She's got to try and make a name for herself. I mean, let's face it, the size of her boobs, give it another five years, they'll be down by her knees. She'll be pushing them around in wheelbarrows. So what you've got to think about it, it's, you know, you need to have a word with him. And I see him here every morning. I see him every morning. I'm sure he's absolutely delightful. I'm sure he's absolutely charming. But it's their business. Does it really matter? And of course, this woman's going to write a book. I can't imagine how you could ever write a book about, you know, bloke on telly sent me text, I sent text back. I mean, how does that form the basis of a book? Unless, of course, there's a lot more to it. But it does seem that since day one, it's gone on on a, on a daily... There's a lot of it. Put it that way, there's a lot of it. And uh, so Tess is the one who's being made to look a bit silly here. And the more she opens her mouth and says, he's told me this, he's told me that, I'm not sure if you read the texts. I mean, seriously, have you read the texts? 13 minutes to seven. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. <laughs> Morning, everybody. 10 to 7. It's Sunday. It's, you know, it's the uh, first day of the month. What happens first day of the month? Come on. Car boot sales. 
It's car boot sale time. So uh, down by Chiswick Roundabout, there's a school there where they have a, a car boot where people flog a lot of uh, tat and other people go and buy it and then look at it and go, do you know, it really is rubbish. So they go back and flog it the next week. It, it just, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. It's quite interesting. But uh, they're there from about four o'clock in the morning. And they sit there in their cars, you know, their fags on. Some using company vehicles. I might start taking pictures, actually, of company vehicles and sending it into them to go, uh, you know, somebody's using your company vehicle for doing, uh, for doing a car boot sale. Uh, I'm going to Vienna, says Sai. Oh, God, well, welcome. Welcome to it. Uh, is, is there a third man museum? I don't know. I've never been there. Any old-style cafes? The whole of Vienna's old-style cafes. Okay, they don't have any new cafes. It's uh, Vienna. And uh, Angelina says, why does Gemma Collins think she can make a film of her life? I've met her. Unfortunately, no personality. Oh, no, she's got no personality. She is the dullest person you'll ever see, with the silliest little voice. She's got the voice of a 15-year-old child. You know, it's these reality stars that, you know, they have to try and big themselves up. And then you realise that they are just a gob on a very fat stick in her case. And that's all it is. It's, she's just a talking head. But the trouble is, whenever you see her on these programmes, she doesn't say anything. I wish she did. But, uh, but she didn't. Which is a shame. It doesn't matter, does it, really? I've just heard your conversation. And you were talking about not disturbing celebrities whilst they're eating. When my son was young, we were in the same Indian restaurant as Patrick Moore. We didn't interrupt him, but wrote him afterwards. He wrote back telling my son, if ever he saw him again when he was out to dinner, come up and say hello. Lovely man. Yeah, but of course, you bet your bottom dollar he was never going to be going back to that Indian restaurant ever again. Yes, next time you see me, come up and have a chat. Okay, make a note. Do not go to the Bengal Raj ever again. We'll go somewhere else. We'll go to the Happy Chicken. Far more exciting. I like the idea of something actually being the happy chicken. I don't think there's any such thing uh, as the happy uh, chicken. Uh, on the uh, Commodore was highest rank at P&O. Did Anton Deck say Royal Navy, says Jack? I can't remember. I just know the answer was Admiral. OK, doesn't make any difference. And Pauline Wiggins says, 45-second look at the reflection on the car bonnet, Steve. No excuse for this disgusting behaviour. But it looks like the man may have struck out at this thug. It wasn't the man he hit, it was the woman he hit. He, he went round to the front, but you don't see that. You don't see that. You can't guess at what happened because that, that's not admissible in a court of law. You can only go by what you can see. And the only thing you can see on that... Why am I dealing with a bunch of idiots this morning? Seriously, where are they coming from? Is there some home that's just turned out or is the nightclub turned out early and the drugs are wearing off? E by gum, as they say, up north. And that's about as far as it gets. Uh, any good game shows on the television at the moment? I don't think so. Did you see Bill Turnbull? Bill Turnbull was doing one the other day. Some people do game shows and some people don't. Everybody thinks it's easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy to do a game show. Ask Bruce Forsyth, ask Bob Monkhouse. Well, you can't ask Bob Monkhouse. And Ronnie Corbett. And, of course, we've had to deal with that this week. There's going to be another one by the end of next week. I've just got a feeling. Just got a feeling. I mean, we've had just a raft of people. You know, big names. Big, big names. And you and you think to yourself, you know, how many more people can go this year? And the answer is loads. Loads. Loads of people. It's awful. I hate it. I hate the idea. I don't like having to sort of read out obituaries and stuff like that. It really is good. Apparently, three cups of coffee are supposed to be good for you. Apparently, one cup of coffee is actually very good uh, for you um, because it's good for... What did they say it was good for? Bowel cancer. Bowel cancer. Very good for one, one cup of coffee. And uh, a lot of people have been asking me recently, do I know anything about the new cameras on the A316? I do. I do. They've taken away on the 316, uh, and it comes in from Sunbury. They've taken away the yellow boxes. So before you could see the yellow box speed camera, now it's a camera on a big pole 
So there's no way you could ever stop it. You can't, it's like before, you could probably climb up and spray the things if you were so mindful so to do, but it is illegal and you go to prison and you'll be hated by everybody except motorists. And, uh, but this one is on a high pole and it's one camera and then occasionally you get two cameras and you've, you've got to be aware of them. If you, if you drive down this road normally or you've never driven down it before, you wouldn't be aware of these cameras because you don't automatically, they look like traffic cameras, but they're speed cameras. And uh, they've got some other ones as well, which are further down. So in between the 316 and coming into London, they've uh, they've taken away, especially coming in past the cemetery on the left-hand side before you approach Chiswick Roundabout, they, they've taken away. There used to be a very visible one on the left-hand side. There is a camera there, but it's not visible. It's on a big pole again, and it's aiming down the road. So they're, so they're, they're going to get you. So just be warned. Just I mean, I only mention it because I'm not that sort of person that makes it... Uh, makes it difficult for you or easy for you. I'm just telling you, if you speed and you get a ticket, don't say I didn't tell you. OK. And uh, Jane doesn't like Starbucks. Well, of course you don't. You're in Bristol, aren't you? I mean, you're starved of anything. Star- we don't even have a Costa in Twickenham. We used to have one, but it was in... Um, it was in... Where was it in? Oh, it was in Waitrose. Waitrose used to have Costa. And then Waitrose thought, wait a minute... Let's get the money for ourselves. So they got rid of Costa and they put their own coffee in, which is good. Jan thinks that the sound is distorted. And uh, no, you're the only one, actually. That was last Try, try re- retuning it, because we had the problem last week. But try, try retuning it. Because if you haven't retuned since last week, then there is the chance that it's, uh, that it's still bad for you. Uh, I've been away for four years, says Tony. Oh, well, there you go, honestly. How is prison life? Is it good? Well, what did you get it for? There is a Costa in Catford. Is there really? Good God. Costa in Catford. I nearly collapsed when I saw it, says the producer, Chris, for the first time. They're everywhere. Have you noticed? They're just everywhere. It's At the moment, we're sort of having a bit of an upheaval in Twickenham. The upheaval being that we've got some shops. Then we had an auction house. That appears to have been closed at the moment. Whether they're redoing it or something, I don't know what's going on with that one. But when they put paper over the windows, it always worries me a little bit that sometimes businesses vanish. But uh, I hope not. Anyway, uh, she's in Dubai. This is Tony's in Dubai. Jet lagged. I wouldn't want to go to Dubai. I can't think of any... I've got friends of mine who are in Dubai, but I can't think of any reason why I would want to go there. But we had this before, didn't we, with Australia. And people saying, have you been to Australia? I said, why would I want to go to Australia? I've got... There is nothing really, uh, you know, that would interest me about it. The food doesn't seem that great. Uh, apart from they do these... Oh, I can't remember what they're blasting well called now. <laughs> they do these things, which are like little sponge squares coated in chocolate and dipped in desiccated coconut. Lamingtons. And they're really famous, apparently, in Australia, which gives you a rough idea how bad it must be. You've got a very, very long flight. Apparently, if you're going to Saudi now, you can't sit next to somebody who's ultra-Orthodox if you're a woman, because apparently they, 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 they might get a bit... like that. And so... Th- that was, oh, it was Israel, was it? Is this, was it an 81-year-old woman sitting next... I mean, dear Lord above. And then apparently, is it Saudi who are separating men and women? Good God. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It is like the Dark Ages. It is we wandered back into something biblical. And it can't have been much fun then, can it? Mind you, at least they had public floggings. I suppose crime must have been down a little bit, you know. Public floggings I'd go for, as you can well imagine. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. The A316 cameras are now the new average speed cameras. Yep. Oh, they're going to get you. They're absolutely going to get you. 
Stephen France says, it sounds like some of Christo's listeners are still up. I know, you always hope the sedation works, don't you? He comes off air, they do themselves a little injection and they pass out for the next sort of three days until they come to again. I know, I don't know how you ever, ever cope with anything like that. Must need the patience of a saint. Uh, Sally says, I think it's the younger generation, 40 and below, who disgustingly believe it's OK to hit old ladies and gents. I put it down to the it's my right attitude and the lack of respect youngsters have for the elderly and themselves. The whole world's out of control. But to hit a woman, to hit a woman, I mean, I, that, that, that kind of steps back in amazement. Hits a woman, an elderly woman. You could see, you know, and you think to yourself, we've got to get him into court got to get me to court. Somebody recommended stocks earlier on, which we used to have years ago. No, I think the flogging bit's quite good. Do you think so? Yep, shirt off. 20 lashes works in other countries. Let's make sure we got it here. There is a piece in one of the papers today. And, uh, and it says here that there are 500 sex beasts on the run. And these are murderers, rapists, paedophiles. This is not including the ones who we've got in from overseas that we can't get rid of. We just seem to be overrun and when you get people who punch old ladies like that, you begin to wonder whether or not you've wandered in some horrible film. Horrible film. Uh, Corrie's Dan, this is Corrie Stark, Daniel Brocklebank, whoever he is, has said he hated himself for being gay as a youngster and hoped it was a passing phase. But uh, now apparently he's OK with it, which is OK, isn't it, really? So here she is, boozed up in an airport car park. Yes, well-known drunk and embarrassment and former cokehead Kerry Coke-Toner. Yes, she's at Grand Canaria at 11 o'clock in the morning and uh, her tracksuit bottoms have been pulled down and her agent said once in a while she likes to get away from the children. She's entitled to let her hair down. She's at the airport with her, I mean, it's just really too disgusting. But there again, once a drunk and an embarrassment, always a drunk and an embarrassment. Got to think of some ways to try and make some more money, haven't you, Kerry? Will this be another breakdown that you'll be telling us about? I don't know, I'm getting very excited about it. Uh, 12 million spent in vain. The Yard are going to set a time limit on the hunt for Madeleine McCann. And they think six months. And at the end of six months, they're stopping it altogether because they're no nearer finding anything to do with her. Which is sad in a way, but she's just vanished. News is next. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's coming up to four minutes past seven. It's Sunday morning. Believe it or not, we're into the 3rd of April. I can't believe we're into the 3rd of April already. They do say April showers, and we had some showers last night. A lot of people doing a nice run today, so good luck to you uh, with that one. What are the Sunday papers full of? Six months to find Madeleine McCann. The police have already scaled down the operation. They've now decided that at the end of six months, and having spent £12 million in vain... Uh, because they've got nothing. They've absolutely got nothing at all. They've got no leads. They've got no names. They've got no people. They've got no video. They've got... They don't even have any clothing. I mean, they've got absolutely nothing. Uh, my sex code with Vern. This story runs in just about every paper this morning. An anarchy in our jails. All of that and more this morning. And uh, Beverly Callard, why I broke down on the set of uh, Corrie. She's grieving for Anne Kirkbride and she's got depression, so she's kind of got the set. It's not, uh, it's not a particularly good place to be. So they've given her time off and they've also changed her medication. I believe that the doctors or the, uh, the drug companies have changed her medication. And, um, and because they, they said they, they can't afford to give people this uh, medication. It's, it's too much money. So she's suffering 
with that, because once you get used to a particular medication, and any, any of you listening who are on medication this morning, judging by some of the texts this morning, there's obviously quite a few of you on medication, um, uh, will know that it just affects your balance, because you just, you think you know what you're doing, and then it turns out you don't know what you're doing at all. Uh, another one wishing, says Noreen Winnie, good luck. Also Sue, both doing runs. Also, so many still got this lurgy. I know, the producers struck down this morning. He's got this sort of sick tummy thing. Booked a great show, she says. Marty Wilde, Eden Kane, Mike Berry and Mark Winter touring the UK. Great afternoon at uh, the Heston Hyde Hotel in Hounslow. Delicious. We like, uh, we like afternoon teas. We would have had one a short while ago. I was going to go out and have an afternoon tea. But it, it ended up falling apart and we didn't actually get it, which was a shame. So hopefully we shall, we shall reschedule. Uh, there is a, a Costa and East Dulwich says Maria. I don't know why we don't have one in Twickenham. I suppose, it, I suppose it's because we did have... I'm trying to think we, no, I've been in my mind, up and down the high street, in my mind, thinking, oh, no. No. I did see Nick Frost the other day. He didn't see me. I was in my car and he was in his car. Um, and so his, his car was a bit shinier than mine, so I didn't, didn't wave at him. He probably wouldn't have remembered me anyway from the other day because he was for in conversation. Oh, Lynn, it's no, no, no loss at all, Linda, really. I promise you. Uh, why on earth, Steve, does Gemma Collins keep popping up in the papers? I've no idea. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm as confused as the next person. It's because she's delusional. It's because she's a bit simple. It's because she's not the brightest penny in the box. And it's because she's lonely. She's very lonely. We, we've seen that time and time and time again. I don't know what the answer is. I think, actually, of course, the next thing is they all start blaming the, the programmes that they're on. They'll start saying, this programme hurt... What did I see the other day? Oh, that's right. There was somebody in an orchestra who played... What did they play? It might have been a violin, but they're suing the orchestra because right behind them are the tuba players. And, of course, if you've ever been in an orchestra... And it's, apparently it's an occupational hazard, I believe... For, uh, for quite a number of people, the tuba players and the brass. Oh, this is a viola player for uh, suing the Royal Opera House uh, for irreversible hearing loss. They reckon the rehearsal noise is as loud as a jet engine. What were they rehearsing the other day? It was, oh, it was uh, the Ride of the Valkyries, uh, which I love. It's a dun 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 and it peaked about 137 decibels roughly the same volume as the jet engine well if you're playing in front of that and this is you know right behind you it must drive you crackers must drive you crackers so anyway this this particular person had played with kylie minogue on stage, of course, and uh, and live with the three tenors in front of 100,000 people in Barcelona. It's the first time I've heard of it, but it's it's not apparently the first time it's popped up. People have uh, have said before, it leaves you with uh, acoustic shock, which is a problem caused by headphone wearers subjected to short, high-frequency and high-intensity blasts of sound. I suppose the next thing is people sitting there with headphones on. But how are you supposed to... Or earplugs. But how are you supposed to hear what you're playing? I'm very envious of anybody who's in an orchestra. Seriously, there'll be people listening who are in orchestras. And I always think it must be wonderful to sort of get down there and just play. So anyway, so the Royal Opera House have now brought in a, in a barrister. Because it, this, this could open floodgates, I'm thinking. I mean, I don't know whether or not, you know, this is common with lots and lots of orchestras. But I'm assuming if they play it very loud, then there must be that occupational hazard. You always get people protected from the drums, don't you? If ever I see an orchestra pit in a theatre, the drums are there, but they've got baffling in front of them. So obviously they must think that drumming is, is going to cause a problem. Uh, Mark... 
uh, says, I'm driving to the Midlands from Essex to go and watch my grandson playing football each and every Sunday morning. Well, there you go. You get this programme all the time. Uh, Sue and Joy. And uh, another one here. Uh, Steve, Kerry has to let her hair down. Shouldn't that have read trousers down, says Sally. I know. What an embarrassment. This is a woman who sat down with her children and explained her cocaine addiction. That's, you know, that's how desperately sad and lonely she must be. Pete Townsend struggling with hearing loss. It is. It's called a musician's risk. That's what happens. And so, uh, you know, people say now, you know, he, he doesn't blame the years of destroying instruments and performing in clubs. He spent years listening on headphones in the studio as being his problem. Now, I wear headphones all the time. And people have walked in my studio before and said, it's quite loud in here, isn't it? Whereas, I, you think it's loud? Oh, do you? Oh, right. See, I don't think it's that loud, um, which means that probably my hearing is going as well. We used to have, in one place I worked, they had limiters on the headphones. And I said, you've got to take it away because I can't hear. I need to hear what I'm saying. I need to hear the thing. But a couple of people have come in and gone, God, blimey, don't have your speakers loud, don't you? I think it's quite normal. But I don't wear headphones for music at home. I do have musical headphones and people have looked at me on the train on the odd occasion and I mean a very odd occasion when I've actually been wearing them so you, you, you know you, you've got to got to be very careful so long before the Walkman was intro- introduced there were problems so Pete Townsend has now got to take 36 hour breaks between sessions sorry I just have a quick slurp of my t- it just sounds particularly loud in the headphones this morning um, so that is the danger so I mean I know that in one of my ears I'm a bit bit deafer than I am in the other ear and strangely enough, I'm a bit deafer in the ear that doesn't have the headphone on. Because I'm one of these odd people. I wear one headphone on and one off. And I believe that most presenters have headphones on both ears. James O'Brien does the same as me. I know because I said to him, he said, why, he asked me years ago why you needed to do it. And I said, you need to hear in the headphones what you sound like. And in this ear, hear what you really sound like. Because you don't want to start uh, putting on an infected uh, voice, a very affected voice, and saying, oh, this is Steve Allen's uh, Sunday breakfast, looking at the Sunday people. It just wouldn't work, would it? It would be ridiculous. People would think I was mad if they turned on the radio. Well, they think I'm fairly mad turning on the radio now. But uh, nice to see all the tributes, wasn't it, during the week uh, for little Ronnie? Nice to see those. I don't want to read about anybody else's death this week. I really don't. But I have a sneaking feeling we're going to be having a few. Uh, Rick Parford has admitted status quo decided to quit because they feared that their um, stage antics could kill them. Oh, dear. And uh, over in America, who's making it big? Yes, well-known old tart, Abby Titmus. Life is heavenly. She was famously involved in a sleazy sex tape. Uh, still available on the internet, I believe. I mean, I don't, these things just don't disappear, do they? And she's now based in Los Angeles and plays a medic in the TV show Days of Our Lives. You wait till they discover that... Uh, they said, far cry from her days as a glamour model. She was never a glamour model. She was, uh, she was a nurse. And she went out with John Leslie and they made a tape with another woman. And Abby Titmus then sort of got famous. But you went, in America, she says here, here I'm anonymous. Not after this bit, dear. Once they discover your history, I think you might be out the door a little bit quicker than you imagine. She said, I'd get work because of my acting ability. Not now they know about... You wait till they know about this. You wait till they hear. Oh, she's changed her name. Oh, she's changed her name. She's not Abby Titmus. She's, uh, she's now Abigail Evelyn. Oh, dear. Do, you don't think... I mean, come on. You don't think she thinks that the Americans are so daft they can't read a newspaper. This will be over there, and very shortly the producers will be saying, I'm terribly sorry, you made a sex tape. 
I don't think you can be on this programme. I can't help feeling she's kind of sort of, you know, made a rod for her own back. But there you go. That's just me again, isn't it? Uh, me and V. And here's uh, Cheryl in talks. Well, I say in talks. I don't actually think Cheryl talks. I think she sits there and listens. Why, eh? Because you're worth it. And she sits down there and listens. And Simon will say, listen, it's been very lovely, dear, having you on here. But we're going to give you a rest because we like to get our audience back because you don't know anything about music. You know, Sharon knows all about music. She's been in the business. Her father was in the business. Family's in the business. You don't know anything. And Louis, been in the business since God created Garden of Gethsemane. Okay, so they need him, but we don't need you. Because, you know, frankly, the makeup bill and hair bill has gone through the roof. Uh, Vernon Kay in the flirty text to the topless model. She's quite clearly a very desperate person. And um, and she's going to write a book. But as even the producer admitted to me, who's going to buy it? Why would you be remotely interested in reading what a page three girl sent as a text? I mean, I don't want to sort of, you know, belittle any of you listening. You might be thinking, oh, I'd love to read that. But everything that you'll read about it, they always go, don't they? I want you to hear my side of it. Like poor old um, Jordan. She does the same thing. I want to put my side of it. You think nobody cares. You're the only person that cares about it. And I think in the case of this poor dreary Rianne, I feel a bit sorry for her. I mean, I, d- I feel sorry for both of them, really, because they're kind of suitable for each other. And uh, and Tess will suddenly realise that, you know, no matter what people tell you, they might not be telling you the truth. Because this is, you know, thousands of text messages. I mean, something's got to give at some point, hasn't it, really? Here she is, the boozed-up star in the coach car park. Best place for Kerry Katona. She thinks she's very funny. I just look at her and point and laugh, really. And go, you really are sad, aren't you? Must be awful, really, being you. But there again, I'm sure you're quite happy with it. Uh, new torment for Tina Malone. Tina Malone is in a, is in a programme called Shameless. Uh, she's had cosmetic surgery and um, she's, uh, she's now had her boobs explode. And um, because she says, I found a lump. These people go straight to the newspapers, don't they, to sell stories. As opposed to going straight to get medical help, the first thing they do is call the radio and go, get the paper on the phone because I can sell a story about my boobs exploding. And uh, they went pop, 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 and fl- fluid pulled out all over the floor. I mean, <sighs> just kind of lose the will to live, don't you really? You really do lose the will to live. Oh, it's a nice picture, isn't it? What's that? It's, uh, oh, it's uh, Barmy Britain outshining Spain and Italy today. I don't think so. Imran downstairs, he said to me, it's going to be very hot in Spain today. I said, I shall get a flight immediately. I was fibbing, of course, because they can't land a plane on the roof here. But uh, if they could, I would have done it. Uh, also, we seem to have released these drug mules, these, uh, these lying old uh, drug people. This is Michaela McCollum lining up a job as a charity volunteer. She's been early released. From... She's only done two years. They call her a UK model. Believe you me, she was never a model. They were two lying old bags who, were, who, first of all, lied about it. They were caught with God knows how much cocaine, one and a half million pounds. And then they had to go to Hell's Hacienda. Ha, 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 like we care. And now she's going to work with an organisation based in the Peruvial capital and has arranged accommodation. She owes prison authorities money. So they're not going to let her out of the country, are they, just yet? And uh, the other one, Melissa Reed, both... A bit of drug smuggling. Uh, Reed has not been freed because she seeks to serve out her sentence in Scotland. I hope you both rot in hell over there, but that's just me. That's just me, drug smugglers. Pfft, dear me. Not for me, ladies and gentlemen. It's uh, 7.15. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. 7.20 is the time. This is obviously a hangover, isn't it, from another programme. Some woman called Catherine, who is so rude about everybody... I mean, literally, she slagged off everybody. Rianne off and uh, Amani, 
and uh, who's this? Pascal Kramer. There's no nobody. She's not slagged off, and then and then she slags me off as well. She says, "Do you have a mirror?" Yes. What, what would be the point of that question, Catherine? She says, "You love yourself, absolutely." Well, I've seen a picture of you, Catherine. I mean, seriously, you need to get medical help. Honestly, I can't help you with anything there, but try and make sure your doctor changes your medication, and then ask yourself that one big question: Why have you got no friends? Perhaps you, should, perhaps you could write to uh, to Kerry Katona, I should imagine. <laughs> Be quite a good one. Uh, right, uh, there is a drive in uh, drive in Costa on the Pearly Way, says Roland. Really, a drive in Costa? What's the point of that? What's the point of a drive in Costa? Uh, another one here. Current McCann case investigate instigated by the PM government trying to take control of the police. Uh, reprehensible, says Ian. They've wasted twelve million pounds. And I, I, I really think, actually, that £12 million is just about as, as enough as you can go. You can't, you can't go in... I mean, what do we do? Do we keep going? That, that's, that's the one question that everybody asks all the time, isn't it? £12 million looking after one person seems a huge excessive amount. And that's not including the money that the McCanns themselves have raised, which amounts to quite a few million pounds. And so they're, they're no nearer. You know, all of a sudden, some lunatic phones up and goes, oh, I think I've just spotted her in, you know, the, sort of the Outer Hebrides. And immediately a manhunt institute. And of course, it turns out to be rubbish. These people have got some sort of sickness. Talking of having a sickness, here they are. They're filming The Only Way is Essex, and they're doing it out in uh, the Costa del Sol, otherwise known as the drug capital next to Marbella. And of course, they seem surprised when they team up and this is James Locke and Jake Hall with a fugitive drug smuggler who's been involved in a £350 million cocaine shipment. Do you never thought they might have asked the question if they'd had half a brain cell between them as to how this bloke, who they sort of bumped into in some sort of uh, club, was zooming around, uh, taking them to the best places, going to the best clubs, driving the best cars. Anyway, he's back in custody again. Uh, after another huge alleged cocaine smuggling plot, this time worth £480 And, of course, James and Jake, being not the brightest pennies in the box, didn't even ask how this bloke had made his money or anything else like that. They just blindly went on. A Towie insider says James and Jake were not aware of his criminal links. Who did they think he was? Did they not sort of ask the question? You know, it's, who are you? How'd you get all this money? How'd you get all this? (laughs) Then he might have been able to tell them. He escaped from prison. While serving a sentence. Uh, the supermarkets in the fake farms row are back again. They're all at it. Sainsbury's. Home Farm is the name of the brand Leeds packing site. Home Farmed Venison. It doesn't exist. It's made up. Like Tesco. Rose Dean Farm. Waitrose. Pancakes bought by Belgians who moved the production out of the UK. Uh, Low Farm. One of the many suppliers that make up the Home Farm brand. They're just made up. Just made up. Uh, one of the uh, Woodside Farm uh, is another made-up name. There's loads of these names in the supermarket. They don't exist. They don't exist, but, of course, people seem to like it. Woodside Farm, Home Farm, are said to be images of animals grazing in meadows and fresh local fare. But, of course, the sites don't exist and are just names of industrial addresses. Some brands are even vehicles for businesses based abroad. Tesco, last week, replaced its everyday value range with produce from seven outlets with uh, the stuff coming from Morocco, Spain and Chile. The National Farmers Union said the names may give customers a false idea. They do give customers a false idea. If I see, you know, now I know that Tesco's use these fake names, I wouldn't buy anything in Tesco's. It would put me off completely. I couldn't trust them. And if you can't trust somebody, then you kind of lose faith in the brand. And once you've lost 
faith in the brand, you go somewhere else. You know, I've learnt very quickly in Marks and Spencers that Oakham Chicken and Lockmuir Salmon are made-up names. I still like them because I think I'm buying a standard, but Tesco, they've done it underhandedly. So I, I don't like that, actually. It's not good. Uh, there is also... Um, uh, there's one here, Debbie and Andrew's sausages on sale at Asda, Morrison's, Tesco and Sainsbury's. Bear a label saying Harrogate 97% and a real taste of the country. But uh, they didn't come from Harrogate until 2011. And the couple sold up to a Dutch company in 2005. And uh, now production uh, has moved to Broxbourne in Scotland. You know, and it's now part of ABP Food Groups, which placed it within sausage specialist W.A. Turner based in Tunbridge Wells. I mean, it's 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 a, a rare path. You travel when you're trying to unravel these things, isn't it? And you have to sort of look very carefully to find out exactly where your stuff comes from. And the chances are, if you're buying it from Tesco, Chile, Turkey, Bangladesh, it comes from just about anywhere. It comes from anywhere where you think it wouldn't come from. But because it's got a nice British farm-sounding name, then we uh, we sort of go into it, don't we, really? Oh, look, here's David Beckham again. God, bro. It's the never a day. There must be rare days in the calendar where the Beckhams don't feature. It's either her opening her legs, which we had the other day. Do you remember doing that that, that sort of ballet kind of thing? Like, you know, I don't know what you can say about that. And this time, poor old Davy boy, whose life is just so boringly dull that he's off to have another inking. That's, uh, that's a tattoo to you and me. And so this time he takes... Uh, Brooklyn, to go and watch it. I mean, he's a 17-year-old. What's he doing in a tattoo parlour anyway? I mean, I can't help worrying about the state of Beckham's mind. Do you think he might... You know, I'm surprised that she's not got them going up her neck or something like Property of Dave, Inc. But uh, they were there for several hours, and then Victoria turned up, and uh, Dave carried on with a gruelling five-hour session. He obviously hasn't got much work on at all, has he, at the moment? It's either underpants or uh, or booze. And so far, we're not interested in either of those things, poor soul. Uh, so, uh, loads more talent coming up. Is there? I don't know. Is there really? And Jeremy Kyle, as I said to you earlier on, who's walking down the aisle, his best man to Graham Stanier, his own daytime show. Graham's a bit of a bore on the programme, you know. Graham will sort out your problems, you know, which, of course, are the programme's making. You know, Graham, we, we can offer counselling there. The whole thing is like the all-in-one package to promote Jeremy Kyle's dreary career. Anyway, uh, Graham and his boyfriend, Steve, are two of my closest friends. Well, certainly wouldn't be the wife, would it? Let's face it, dear. Do you think he's actually sat down with Graham and Graham's given advice on, you know, how to cope with it? Perhaps go gay. Perhaps go gay could actually solve your problems. You know, make it a lot easier, wouldn't it, really? We'll always have a bit of a laugh at that one, I suppose. And um, here's Carol Malone, Vile Verne's A Last Chance Buffoon. That's based on the Last Chance Saloon thing, just in case you didn't quite get it. But the funniest thing is Sharon Snipe at Elton Guard is plain spite. Now, you remember the story, Elton John's ex-guard, who was a New York policeman, and uh, he claimed that Elton put his hands down his trousers and did all sorts of things and propositioned him. And so, strangely enough, uh, Sharon Osbourne then, then waved in with her little comment and said that Elton John would never have tried to sexually assault his ex-security guard, Jeffrey, because he's far too ugly to interest him. Carol Malone writes, I'm just wondering what Sharon thinks the potato-faced, corpulent Elton looks like, minus the hair weave, the makeup, and the flash clothing. Exactly what he is, a big, fat, bald bloke pushing 70. 
Well, that's exactly what he is. Take it all away from him, his makeup, his funny little glasses. Take off the shredded wheat on his head. Take off the pancake and all the rest that he's put on there. And the little track suits, because nothing else is fitting him. And what have you got? A fat 70-year-old bald bloke who's worth a bit of money. Why would he be chasing after a policeman or something like that? And the answer is because everybody does, don't they? Not everybody chases a policeman, you know, get the drift. But it's a case of people do it to, uh, to sort of, I don't know just to sort of prove that they can still pull somebody, to prove that they're still alluring, to prove that they've still got what it takes. And nobody goes, ah, you couldn't pull anything. And they go, actually, I really could. I really could. I surprised myself. I really could. I could actually pull somebody who'd been with me for ages and ages. I think he'd been with him for years, years and years. I think so, anyway. Uh, all the best for the, uh, the voice competition, says Maddie. And uh, David and Kate, first time hearing you on a Sunday, making the trip to Oxford a bit better, which is good. Dennis is listening and uh, Tom is listening. Everybody's listening at the moment because it's Sunday and it's actually quite nice. And don't forget, coming up this morning at eight o'clock, which is just about 31 minutes away, Stig Abel's going to be here with breakfast for this morning. What will he have on the agenda? We'll tell you very, very shortly. And uh, still to come, we've got David Beckham has such a lucrative career that um, he and Posh are known as Brand Beckham, but Bex isn't a fan of the label because he earns around £40 million a year, but he says, I don't see my career as a brand. No, in fact, it's just you, you can rent David Beckham. If I've, if I've got millions of pounds, you rent him. You go, Dave, do you want to advertise socks? Yeah, I'll do that. And, um, and so you go, OK, how much do you want for advertising socks? I don't know, I think about a million. OK, you can have a million. How, how, how many, would you model about three pairs of socks? I think so, yes. Still waiting for the money back from Victoria. She had to borrow money to prop up her business. Dave? Yes? I'm taking money. How much money? Um, 3.8 million. I don't think I've got that in the piggy bank. I'll just have a check. One, two, three. I've, I've got 3.7. I'll take that. It's like the other day, wasn't it, really? Poor soul. He was in the kitchen and he's... And I think, who's it comes in? Ferguson, I think, comes Oh, Ferguson comes in. Because what are you doing, Dave? And Dave goes, I'm doing a jigsaw. He goes, all right. What is it? It's, it's a chicken. He goes, Dave, put the cornflakes back in the box. LBC News Time, it's 7.30. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Do you know what DEFCON 1 is? Oh, you do? Oh, right. I was just, the only time I'd ever heard DEFCON 1 was in the film War Games, where Matthew Broderick is playing... Do you want to play a game, Professor? Uh, let's play tic-tac-toe. And so it plays tic-tac-toe. But, of course, it's just playing a game. But, unfortunately, they think it's playing for real. And it goes down to DEFCON... It starts off at DEFCON 5, which is low... And then gradually, as the machine starts winning more and more... It's a great film. If you've never seen it, get it, because it's it's super film. And then it goes up, and DEFCON 1 is uh, is nuclear war imminent. Uh, it's never been activated. DEFCON 2 has been activated, as has, obviously, DEFCON 3, 4 and 5. But it's in the paper today on what, what exactly it meant, because I didn't know what it meant. I had no idea. I just heard it and thought it sounded quite exciting. Quite exciting. And um, another one here which says um, oh dear, a lot of people talking about that uh, dreadful video on the on the LBC website, which is absolutely dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And uh, another one here. And uh, wait a minute. Um, somebody says, what's your take on the campaigners occupying the library? 
They're not going to win. They'll sit in there until they, till you know, till they starve them out. I should imagine. This is a library that was uh, went uh, was going for closure, and so a group of people, I think quite a number of people, said that they were going to sit in there. It's it's the old days of being militant. We've all done it, haven't we? I mean, I have. I've, I've been a militant person in my life, campaigning against certain things. But uh, in this particular case, I've got no idea what they're going to do about it. They're not going to keep the library open because they can't afford to keep it open. Uh, Tom's listening after a night shift, listening to Steve Allen putting the world to rights. I like. I don't feel as though it's putting the world to rights. I feel as though, to be honest with you, it's just kind of telling the truth about things. I didn't discover the other day until I told you the story story of the COI, the Central Office of Information I used to work for, briefly in this country, that Paul Easton used to work there as well, which I thought was quite nice, actually. Oh, look at that. Somebody's out getting a cup of coffee this early. You haven't made that at home, Phil Vickery, have you? Do you know, actually, I oh, know it's a Costa coffee, but it looks like it's, is this, are you actually in Costa at this time of the morning? Or have you just lifted a picture? Or are you making your own Costa coffees? (laughs) We were talking about bowls the other day. Blue bowls and apricot bowls and stuff that you put into into all the uh, the cocktails. He said his mother lived to 93. She used to like the blue bowls. And why not? And um, (laughs) David Beckham goes shopping. Did you hear about this one? I only pass this on because Dave Dave goes... uh, Sorry. Uh, Might be, says Phil. Might be. Dave Dave Beckham goes shopping... And he's uh, passing the kitchen department of a large shopping centre. What's that? He says to the assistant. It's a thermos flask, he says. What does it do? The assistant tells him it keeps hot things hot and cold things cold. So really impressed, David Beckham buys one and takes it along to his next training session. Here, boys, look at this, says Beckham. It's a thermos flask. (laughs) He's sounding vaguely Australian now. The lads are very impressed. What does it do? It keeps hot things hot and cold things cold, says David. And what have you got in it, says Roy Keane. Two cups of coffee and a chalk ice. Make up your own jokes. Of course, people don't be saying, this is disgraceful. Are you are you inferring that David Beckham is not the intelligent person we believe him not to be? You can believe what you like. I couldn't care less. It's a Sunday morning. Nothing spoils my happiness uh, on a Sunday morning. And uh, I didn't know that, Ian, about uh, about <laughs> about Jeremy Kyle. That's good, isn't it? I do. I did watch the programme the other day. Again, it sort of drags out all of life's nasties. And between him, Graham, and you know the rest of the uh, the ghastly team, they aim to make a programme. But having put him on the breakfast show this week, you suddenly realise that the word presenter doesn't even come into it. Terrible, terrible. Uh, another one here from uh, Philip. From oh no, I've just done the Philip one, haven't I? Actually, sorry, I don't want to. I don't want to sort of cart repeating, my friend. Um, Another six months, money wasted on the McCann case, says Jan. You know, why wouldn't you think they'd ask the parents? They don't know anything. That's the truth. And all the other people. It's just that it's, it's gone on. Manchester United players are in the dressing room on a Saturday. Before the game, Roy Keane walks in. Bossy says there's a problem. Oh, is, this, is this Beckham? Beckham. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Bossy says, there's a problem. I'm not playing unless I get a cortisone injection. Hey, says Bex, if he's having a new car, so am I. I screwed that one up really badly, actually. That was not one of my better readings of a gag. I'm generally quite good at reading gags, but I, I didn't quite get where I was with it because I don't know anything about football, so I didn't know who Roy Keane was. So I didn't know if he was a player or somebody who came from Barchester United or got murdered in Midsummer Murders. Could be any of the above, couldn't it, I suppose, really. Uh, so we've done DEFCON 1. We also discovered in the papers why, you know, uh, despair for the uh, steel workers. So why are we giving £9 million to Nigeria to help its leather tanning industry? We're mad, actually. And the Tory has only agreed to a target because they were terrified of Bob Geldof. Why on earth do you take any notice of Bob Geldof? 
They've still got as much poverty out there. We haven't solved anything. Why do we listen to what Bob Geldof says? Goodness sake, he was only a failed pop star, wasn't he? Who then tried to resurrect his own career, which was a bit disastrous. And Will's wingman. I told you there was something odd about this story. The, the story was some bloke gets hit by a branch, OK, and... Uh, dun, 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 dun. Will's to the rescue. So down comes the whirlybirds. It lands at Will's, who's only the assistant pilot, not really proper pilot. He just sort of helps out, you know. Push this. Thank you. And, um... And so Land, and anyway, he, he takes this man to hospital, which is very good. But the man helping him with his yellow jacket on is, in fact, Prince William's bodyguard. It now turns out, and in fact, you can see him in various other pictures. So, in other words, what they're saying here, Prince's bodyguard helps tend to an injured man. But is he taking the place of a paramedic? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. It's all a bit of an old Swiss, isn't it? Because this bloke, even back as 2012, he's obviously been with uh, with Prince William. And then he relaxes and the uh, the bodyguard, the officer, looks on from outside. He's been caught out. And of course, as far as I know, Prince William is not medically qualified. He just sits there and, you know, drives part of a helicopter. The other person drives the rest of it. But never let it spoil a good story, ladies and gentlemen. Because otherwise it'd be terribly tedious, wouldn't it, really? Uh, Rachel Johnson talks about, you know... Don't ditch him for sexting or we'll all have to get divorced. And um, and what was the other story? There was another story, actually. Oh, uh, people talk about selfies. Self- oh, I'm so bored. Everywhere you go now, people are taking selfies. And, uh, and so, as the BBC become more sexist, and the reason they become more sexist is because they have Woman's Hour presented by a woman. Well, I'm sorry, where are the men? Equal rights for men. Why, why should... I mean, how on earth can that be allowed? Like... They do have a men's hour. Well, that just sounds positively discriminatory. I've never heard anything like it. A men's hour? God, what sort of men would listen to a men's hour? Today, how to tie your shoelaces. Tomorrow, how to apply that bronzer to get it really properly round your eyes. You know, just ridiculous. A men's... Do you remember they actually tried loose men on the table? We had loose women. They thought they'd put loose men on. And one of them was Jeff Brazier. Now, I don't want to be rude, but to be honest with you, I'm not going to be taking any notice anytime soon of sweet Jeff. I'm really not. And, of course, the programme just didn't work at all. So this show began broadcasting. It's Woman's Hour meets sort of men's. And uh, Tim Samuels, along with Noel Gallagher... And Jose Mourinho. Jamie Oliver is listed as well. For what reason? The bloke who doesn't know that there's more sugar in a smoothie. God, blimey. Not going down that route, thank you very much indeed. Each week, the live programme features an interview with a man we all admire. Well, how did that work out? Louis Spence, the hyper... Oh, crikey. I'm sorry, I don't think so. And uh, there's all sorts of other people there. A spokesman for this radio station. While 70% of the the station's audience is male, we hope the programme will also appeal to our female audience. My God, they're patronising, aren't they? Come along, men, come along. Although, as I say, when it turns out to be a male producer at the BBC, you can guarantee most of them ride side saddle. Uh, Steve, the thermos class joke was brilliant, says Lauren. Thank you. And uh, we're off to Venice tomorrow. So I'll be listening to you on the journey to Gatwick. Says Jill, Venice. You've just been to Venice, haven't you? It's lovely, isn't it? Very nice. Very nice. He likes, he likes Venice. So he, it's very ex- I said it'd be expensive. It's bound to be. If you have a, cof- a cup of coffee in, the, uh, in St Mark's Square, it's an arm and a leg, isn't it, I believe? But then people do it they, because they're, they're, the Venetians. You know, makes them sound like they're coming in on boats, doesn't it, really? And if you take a gondola, that's very expensive. You can't afford to do that, can you? That's pre-book online. 
pre-book a gondola. God, whatever happened to it? I mean, my most favourite one was James Bond, when he had a gondola that actually came out of the water. That was very exciting. Steve, do you think that when the library protest is over, the police will throw the book at them? I do hope so. No, you've got... I mean, I think occasionally I'm in favour of, of certain protests. I'm cer- you know, I'm certainly in, in favour of people arguing about things and saying, listen, you need to hear our point of view. Maybe Jeremy Kyle, says Tony, can get his wife on the show to mend his marriage. Yes, Graham and his boyfriend could help out, couldn't they? Explaining, you know, why it works. And um, Graham has a, a salted caramel Yankee candle. How lovely. You've got to be very careful. If you burn a candle in the morning, I often panic that I'm going to walk out and I'm going to leave the candle burning. And that just worries me. Ah, just worry me. Uh, Graham says, I've been buying pork farms pies for years. Please don't tell me it's not a real farm. I don't think it's unlikely. There's probably other places are available as well. And uh, Axel is in Kensington. He says, we need a fire extinguisher. Steve is on fire today. I like being on fire, actually, on a, on a Sunday morning. I think a Sunday morning is the time that you can lie in bed and let this programme wash over you. Because, you know, every single thing. You're not in favour of the drug mules. You don't care less about Gemma Collins, the size of a small beached whale. They're still trying to work out, actually, uh, why uh, those whales beach themselves. They haven't actually, they haven't actually found out yet. Uh, why they did it. You know, we, we think that it's something that uh, that sort of encourages them onto the beach, but we're not totally convinced by it. They just don't know. Nothing we don't... Oh, that's what um, Stig Abel... Uh, I think he might be doing... Is he doing patient safety today? I like it when he gets his teeth into something. And the uh, and the senior doctor supporting the junior doctors. I never slag off the, uh, the, uh, the NHS at all. I'm a big fan of the NHS. Uh, another one here, very quickly. And this is from uh, a lot of people talking about, you know, who's going to vote for the uh, for which mayor of London. And I always think to myself, it doesn't you know, it doesn't matter. You go for the one that you think you're going to get the most out of. Of course, it won't be that person, but that's that's the one you can do. And uh, cinnamon, says Ben. No, no. The joy is at the moment. Not what was the herb this week? There was one herb that we were doing. I can't remember what it was, but you can live forever if you take this herb. Oh, incidentally, there is a full list of candidates for the London mayoral election, which is on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Okay, and uh, once used to medication, being without it is hell, because I was talking about Beverly Callard, and they've changed the medication that she's on for her depression. Uh, I'm having tests on Wednesday. Last of a few, they think I may have bowel cancer. Well, you know, they they never say they think that you've got bowel cancer. That's like saying, we think you're going to die. You know, they don't say that to you. And uh, you have to stop pain meds and all the rest of it. They never, I've never heard of a doctor or anybody else saying, we think you've got bowel cancer. By the way, pop off home now. We'll see you next week. They don't do it like that. That's not how the NHS works at all. A lot of people talk about the Jeremy Kyle show. And uh, obviously, they're, uh, they're trying to find some other vehicle for it. I think they're going to be stuck with him. But what you do with him, I've got no idea. He can't do a double-headed show. He's got no warmth on the television because he doesn't have that... He's not old enough to have warmth on the television. Women have it automatically, and that's why they're chosen for the jobs. And, uh, and he doesn't have anything. He's cold. He's like a fish. He makes Piers Morgan look actually cuddly. You know, and that's saying something, because Piers Morgan is an act. The whole thing is an act. You know, he's sort of, oh, you wouldn't want him to win the lottery or this kind of... So they're turning him into some sort of nasty figure. But, of course, he's so snooty. And he's so, you know, well-heeled. I mean, you know, he, he looks down his nose at most of you. Rosemary, thank you, Phil. It was something I couldn't remember. You know, sometimes you can't remember, can you? Rosemary's very good for you. Not just running your fingers over her. Sorry, over the, uh, over the herb. But, uh, but actually sort of smelling it. I love it. And mint. 
Yesterday I was, I was doing a lot with mint. Somebody said you can put it in a bath. My friend Anthony said you can put it in the bath. I said, why on earth would you want to sit in a bath full of leaves? He said, it's very good for you. It makes you smell nice. I thought, oh, I don't really want to smell of mint. I don't think that's a good idea. 14 minutes to eight. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Stig Abel, leading Britain's conversation on LBC. Oh, there you are. Welcome to Sunday morning. I'll leave. Thank you. <laughs> it's like a small revolving door, this studio. People just wander. He's not, he's not, not got his thingy. Where's your thingy? I've lost my thingy. Oh, Lord above, honestly. Stig's going to be with you this morning at, uh, at eight o'clock. So, uh, looking for... He's in a very bouncy mood this morning. It always worries me when... Oh, you look like you've had a rough night on the tiles. What's the matter with you? Him look... Are you allowed to wear sweaters that have got sort of... Um, you feel so fresh. It's amazing how, how looks are deceiving, isn't it, really? I feel so fresh. What does that mean? When somebody comes in and goes, I feel so fresh today. I thought it was quite cold out there this morning. I know that it's coming up to eight and most of you are still lying in bed and you're really thinking to yourself, I just don't want to get out of bed this morning. I really don't want to get out of bed. And I'm sort of thinking, I really want to climb back into bed. But actually, no, I don't. I really don't. Uh, what else do we have in the papers for today? We had the crackdown on the universities, which somebody will pick up uh, later on. Probably John Stapleton. He's going to be here with you at 10 o'clock this morning uh, on the universities giving first like confetti. Uh, and also George has got a new friend, Prince George. They've got a, an elephant in his grandfather's garden. This is uh, Prince Charles who's trying to instill in his, uh, in his grandson the love of gardening. But as I said before, it didn't work for Wills and it didn't work for, um, for Harry. You know, I mean, I'm only assuming, actually, that Highgrove, they must have had a bar where they could practice propping things up. Uh, the Sunday Mirror, anarchy in the jails, a shock investigation of a drug stealer in there who's been sending out little, um, little sort of films of him showing, you know, exactly what life is like. He's a drugs baron. They're always drugs barons, aren't they? But obviously they're not the most intelligent people because that's why they're in prison. The voice finalist, who is Lydia Lucy, um, I don't absolutely... No, anything about her, but believe it or not, and there has to be a story, and this is where it, uh, it sort of fitted in, didn't do it. Do you remember when Peter Kay did that spoof? Peter Kay did that spoof, and it was a very interesting spoof, where he was looking at the X Factor, and they were saying that uh, he, was, he was making sure that everything in there was really quite... It was, it was almost contrived. They were looking for somebody who'd actually had a a sort of uh, an illness or if you had a grandmother who's died or something like that and in this case Lydia Lucy is singing for her sister who she never knew her sister died three years before she was born I mean slightly disturbing slightly disturbing but they're they're always looking for something in the papers to add they're looking for a story to put in there. They're looking for a story that they say, oh, this is, this is going to be the, the story that will put you in the newspapers. It's never anything to do with their singing. It's always, who are you singing for? And they always sort of tell you that they're... So Actually, Mike, do you want a sandwich? Do you want a, sam do you want a sandwich? Sandwich? Love a sandwich. Because you're feeling in such a chirpy little mood this morning, aren't you? And you can't have it because Chris is not well. Well, you can have it, sorry, because Chris is not very well this morning. So he didn't have a sandwich today. In fact, probably the very thought of it makes him feel quite ill. So I'm being particularly generous this morning. And, uh, and just being, you know, you have to look after the staff. OK, so look, I'll give you a sandwich. Thank you. Would you like some satsumas? Uh, OK, for the satsumas. OK, for the satsumas. Thanks, OK, ungracious little so-and-so. Uh, so anyway... <laughs> 
And so when you look at the stories in the papers, there's a reason, if it's somebody on a singing competition, why they're in there. And it's because they've said, listen, has, has anything happened in your life? Have you had a bad accident? Have you had a, a broken heart? You know, is, is there something that we can uh, sort of put in there and, and sort of make you get a bit more publicity? In fact, if you read TV Kev's, he says, if you're unfortunate enough to win The Voice, you're going nowhere. Which actually he isn't. He actually isn't wrong. This is Kevin O'Sullivan. He isn't actually far wrong because the people on the Voice who who win it and the people you couldn't name them. If I if I was offering millions worth of pounds in prizes and stuff like that and was saying how do you feel about this, you know, and you name me, you know, the winner from nineteen ninety seven or twenty twelve, whatever it happens to be, you wouldn't know the answers. You wouldn't know the answers. However, I know the answer to this one. I know it's dangerous and I know it's immensely stupid, and it's Chris Evans filling up his uh, his. Rolls-Royce Corniche convertible, which is very nice, although it's got white wall tyres, and I hate white wall tyres. And what's he doing? He's filling it up, but he's on his telephone at the same time. And, of course, as they say, in all, you know, garages. And he's standing there with, I'm assuming, his son, and he's on his telephone. Really, really dumb. Not the brightest thing to do. And no doubt when he sees the picture, he'll suddenly remember, oh, yes, I was in the station... Filling up with petrol. That's like, you know, those sort of things before. Do not turn the pump on yourself and then light a cigarette. You know, do not do anything like that. Front pages of the papers, because I've just about got enough time. I must tell you, though, this evening I'm back with In Conversation. And that's between 9 and 10 this evening on LBC. So not to be missed. Rebecca Front will be here. And Nick Frost as well. And it's a, re- it's a really nice conversation. Really nice. Co- I always say that about the conversations, but they're good. And you can download them as well. So the mirror is Bev Callard, uh, the anarchy in the jail story, and uh, and the Test Daily exclusive. I'll not let this woman ruin my marriage. But, uh, well, she's ruined it twice then so far, so she's obviously having some effect. Uh, the, uh, the Mail on Sunday, 172 million is what we overspent on foreign aid last year by mistake. That's sneaked out by the government on Friday. The Express is uh, six months to find Madeleine McCann. I mean, it is the needle in the haystack, in fact. It's the needle in the haystack but you don't know where the haystack is. That's how difficult it is. If you're looking for Madeleine McCann, you're looking for a grain of sand on a beach of millions and millions of grains of sand are just trying to find the one. The Sun on Sunday, they've got the Rianne exclusive. Uh, Plus, they've changed uh, Mystic Meg. She's become much younger. Different sort of wig, but roughly the same kind of look. Because I say the original Mystic Meg must be sort of just on her last legs, I would have thought. And uh, my sex code with Vern, star secret banter, he sent topless picture. He sent topless picture. That kind of makes a joke of it, doesn't it, really? He sent a topless picture. Star on Sunday, £22 million legal aid for terrorists. Bill for Rigby killers and other jihadists. The British Doctor, the Sunday Times, they're they're running with this big time. And uh, it's the Doctor who claims he dropped, doped, 150 sports stars. And he was caught by secret cameras operating from a clinic in central London. Unbelievable story. Uh, The Sunday Telegraph today. Fun and game of the wind is, but England aimed for the last laugh. Uh, the anger of middle-class savers as bill for devious inheritance tax tops four billion. Actually, I got a thing the other day. I, I was finding out what my um, how much longer my um, mortgage has got to run because you know you can't remember these things. And I seem to take it out ages ago. Well, of course, it obviously wasn't. And it turns out that I've got uh, another five years to run on my mortgage, which I think is actually quite quite soon. And I'm thinking. I'm thinking whether or not I pay it off quicker, so I've got it over and done with. And then I thought, 
Can I be bothered? I thought, yeah, why not? It's sort of, it's too, I always think it's good. If, you, if anybody ever says to you, and here is a little trick, because it can save you a lot of money long time, uh, is to overpay on your mortgage. So what I've done over the years is I've left my mortgage at the same rate. And so I'm now overpaying by, well, a little, a little bit each month. But whatever it is, it's paid off. It's paid off good time. So quite happy with that. Front page of The People. Finally, Towie stars in Cocaine Kingpin. They didn't know anything about it at all. Uh, also, 500 sex beasts on the prowl. And Kerry Coke Toner, drunk as a skunk again. Hammered after getting off a holiday jet. What an embarrassment. Still smoking, so stinks like an ashtray. And, uh, and now drunk at the same time. So not so good, is it? And uh, what else do we have in the colour sups this week? Gwyneth Paltrow. Who's that a picture of? That's a picture. Who is that a picture of? Ricky finds his voice. Apparently some bloke nobody would ever heard of from the Kaiser Chiefs, I believe. And he's one of the judges on The Voice. So all very exciting. Very exciting. Anyway, listen, I, I wish you a very pleasant day today. Judging by the look out the window, it's actually not too bad at all. It actually looks like it could be quite a nice day. So thank you very much indeed for all your texts and emails. All very much appreciated. I will be back with you uh, tomorrow. We can as well offer you, uh, offer you a, a free podcast Monday through Friday, which all you have to do is go to lbc.co.uk uh, and you can find uh, all the details on it. It doesn't cost you anything to do it. And it's a very, very nice thing to do. And also it means that when you go away... Uh, you can just listen to LBC and you never miss a movement. Uh, Richard in Weybridge finally says, I had a coffee and a cognac in St. Mark's Square in Venice on my honeymoon. I'm, st- I'm still paying off the loan. The advice is, take your own little bottle of booze. And if you have a coffee, secretly pour it in. But it's terribly expensive. But uh, let's face it, where isn't? Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at 10. John Stapleton is in for Beverly Turner. But right now, it's my very good friend with breakfast, Stig Abel.